is going on, guys? Matt Downs with Daily Grind Fantasy Sports to break down this MMA Wednesday slate. It is a 12-fight slate. Cannot wait to break it down. We have Kevin here with us yet again. Just in the middle of the week, it is a it's it's not like a regular slate, and it does not have your normal fighters, from what me and Kevin have gathered. Before we go ahead and break down this slate. Uh, I want to go over a couple things. First of all, Kevin has a new mic, so you guys can hear him loud and clear. And also, if you didn't hear my announcement on Monday, we are uploading all of our YouTube videos to our podcast platforms, such as Spotify and iTunes. Those are the major ones, and all of your other platforms. Like uh, I think there's a, a default podcast platform that comes with your phones. It's also on there. It's literally on every single platform. If you guys want to go ahead and follow us on all of those platforms, feel free. I have the link already in the description. It has a list to all of those platforms. So if you if you don't feel like looking at my ugly face anymore, and I don't blame you, go ahead and click on that link and follow us on Spotify and iTunes and listen to us on there. So everything, literally all of our YouTube videos will be going straight to those. Um, also, guys, if you want to sign up for Patreon, I know I preach this every single um, every single video. Our Patreon is twenty dollars a month, and it goes over our favorite leverage spots. You guys will need this. I haven't even talked uh, to Kevin about this, but you guys will need the leverage for tomorrow's slate because nobody knows these guys' names. Okay, and it's all going to come down to data and where the ownership's going to be. You guys are going to have to play this like you don't know the fighters because you probably don't. Okay, um, we see this a lot in in sports like CS:GO where we don't know the teams and League of Legends and even tennis. A lot of tennis slates have this, um, but. Nonetheless, let's go ahead and finally break down the slate. Kevin, do you want to go ahead and, and kick this off with a recap of last week? Well, not last week. This was literally three days ago. I know. It's it's, it's weird to think of that it was so recent. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, UFC 251 recap. Uh, I sound like a broken record, but, I mean, we crushed MMA again Saturday. Um, we've been doing really well, running through the fights. Uh, we faded day right off the rip. Ended up getting knocked out clean by Davey Grant. Didn't have much of Grant, but, I mean, anytime we fade a heavy favorite, I mean, and they get smoked, that's positive leverage, you know. That's always good. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't like Rosa and Paiva um, for their finish rates, and they reminded us why with those two decisions. Granted, I think Rosa might have hit price point, but Paiva definitely didn't. Took Tabura in a couple contests. He got a nice win, no finish, which uh, kind of stinks. Same with Santos, but both of us got, uh, both of them got us the win. Um, I was all, all over Makwan. Uh, Amir Khani, all video last time, and he certainly showed why Saturday. I mean, he had another another uh, anaconda choke, beautiful submission. I think he was the third UFC fighter ever to hit multiple anaconda chokes um, in, inside the cage. So um, I love love seeing that. I was all over the Ozdemir-Yuri fight. Uh, I mean, I said, uh, quote me on this, I said this was the best target fight on the card, mm -hmm. and, and someone was going to sleep, and boy, did it show that. I mean... Ozdemir was pouring it on him, looked like Yuri might go out, and then Yuri came back and, and cracked him with a head kick, rocked him, and then put him to sleep with his hands. I mean, it was an awesome fight. Uh, Ozdemir got starched. Um, I talked about how bad Paige Van Zandt is and how how much she's actually just a terrible fighter, and boy, did she look like it. I mean, I think she's going to get cut. Um, she mentioned something to Dana White about that, about looking for free agency, and Dana White said, yeah, I think you should look for free agency. <laughs> I mean, she, she's probably out, out the door. Um, wish I had a little more uh, Amanda Hebus because of that, to be honest, and uh, didn't have a ton of her, but wish I did. Um, we had Jan in every single contest, and boy, oh boy, did he crush it. I mean, every single contest, literally, and he, to the tune of 155 points, I mean, he crushed it. 
we had Usman in every contest, and and he he crushed it. I mean, hit his price point with that wrestling, uh, stacked Volkanovski and Holloway in all my cash games. So that paid off big, just like we thought it would. Um, so the three title fights all just went as predicted. Honestly, I mean, that's where we made our money. Um, pumped the cash yet again. It was fun watching some amazing fights. Um, and then going into this one, I just want to say it's funny how every week changes too and how important it is to know how to play week to week i mean you can't just follow the same formula for every week it's it's this is a dynamic uh business you know what i mean you got to change uh strategy and what you plan to do like last week i was all over cash games all over cash games as i usually am i mean i um i'm a two uh one in the hand was worth two in the bush kind of guy you know i i like to i like guaranteed money and um but I, I think this week is definitely one where you want to target some more GPPs. Um, there's not a lot of great cash options in terms of like set things, set in stone like last week. Like last week, it was it was it was almost easy. I felt like we were talking about this earlier, Matt. Like last week was easy. I mean, for for cash games, it was it was pretty cut and dry, and I was very confident we were gonna win some money last week. Yeah, that's the one. That's one of the things I like to do because Kevin is our analyst, right? And I'm the I'm the DFSer on this side. I I don't know the sports necessarily that we always talk about. We always have these analysts that are that are brought on and, and we're just talking sports. But then at the very end, I like to give a strategy, just something I've observed through whenever you guys talk to me. And last week, I was like, huh. This looks like a, a two-fight stack. Like, this could possibly work in cash games. Sure enough, I played it. Kevin did as well. And it, it wasn't that it just barely worked. It literally, like, I was comfortably cashing in all my contests just because of the way the ownerships were uh, played out and the fact that um, not too many people, not enough people stacked these fights. And we, we were able to take advantage of that. They were close enough. They went, a couple of them, I think, went to round five. Um, if not all of them. Yep. Yeah. Two, two of the uh, three. And then actually two all three, three went to round five. One just ended in round five with a finish. So, yeah, right. all three still went to round five. So Yeah, so, I mean, if in terms of an actual strategy for cash games, I don't know if we're going to see that on this slate, but it you're exactly right. The strategy changes from slate to slate, from from uh, fight to fight, and that was something we're able to capitalize on. Hopefully, we'll find another strategy for you guys at the very end of this video. But nonetheless, Kevin, do you want to go ahead and jump right into the breakdown for this slate? Yeah, I just want to mention one more thing because sure. there might be a stack option on this one, but um, I did want to say, yeah, stacking is important, and I talked about it a lot last week, um, and how every time we've stacked, we've cashed, mm -hmm. and that almost seems like why don't you stack every time? But it's because the stacks we've chosen were strategic in the in the sense we we chose them for a reason. You don't just stack everyone. I mean, we looked at the three main events last week, and we chose to stack two out of three specifically: uh, Volkanovski and Holloway, and um, Jan and Aldo for a reason because we knew that Usman and Masvidal. That's not one to stack because Masvidal, you might take him as a punt. He can knock out Usman, but you know with Usman's style, he's not going to make it viable for his opponent if the, their opponent is a loser. To, to reach enough points because of his wrestling. And that's what happened. Masvidal got nothing. You know what I mean? So right. it's always stacking the right fights. Um, I just want to mention that too. So it's not just a stack everything. It works every time. Um, so it's definitely uh, knowing what to do. But one, one last thing, on. one last yeah. thing before we jump into this. I, I didn't even mention this to you, but we're also successful in GBPs. I put down $75 in GBPs and I entered 150 lineups. Um, Grant was my, my gem for the day, but it's hilarious because I was literally in third place for like three, four, of the night and then the stacks people literally they ended up winning people who passed me they stacked at least one of the fights in the very end yeah. uh, five out of six winner 
um, ended up getting the takedown, which was unexpected. Even from a GVP perspective, I didn't expect that. I think it was the Holloway fight that ended up getting the most points. I, I don't know. You, don't hold me to that. But it's funny yeah. because that entire night, even the way I played it, I felt comfortable. I ended up making $2 <laughs> on GVPs. <laughs> but I made all my money in cash games. I literally I put down 75 came out with 77 on GVPs, and then all That's the cash funny. games cash. So, I mean, I was still happy, but I was also a little bummed because I was like, you know what? I went against my own strategy, and I didn't stack. Even the GVPs, I did not think that would be uh, be the optimal but so yeah leading into the uh the card here looking at a uh, fight night Qatar versus Ige I mean uh first fight would have been a fun one um would have been great to target it was one of my favorites uh Jorge Gonzalez versus Kenneth Berg but Berg had some uh weight cutting issues some health issues so looks like he's gonna have to withdraw um which kind of stinks but so we'll move on uh our our first at our now first fight of the card is Jack Shore versus Aaron Phillips um this fight is the largest discrepancy in terms of Vegas odds on the entire card. Uh, Jack Shore's got a lofty price tag representing that. Jack is 1-0 in the UFC, and uh, even before that, gave us really little reason to doubt his abilities. Um, he's still kind of a new up-and-comer, but he's interesting. I mean, he's kind of got that aura about him, like, let's see what this kid can do. He's 12-0 and with uh, 11 of those coming by way of finish. He is good everywhere, but is really a proficient grappler. I mean, you'll see him look for the takedown, and he'll probably try to do that um tomorrow as well but phillips is uh new to the ufc and he boasts a solid record too he's 12 and 3 and uh is a pretty solid finisher in his own right but this is another fight with a high finish chance um that, that on, on the card as the one prior was that isn't happening but uh this one is minus 240 um i think that shore makes a an intriguing play here um i'm assuming he's going to carry high ownership just due to his price and his uh ridiculous uh Vegas odds here. He's a minus seven hundred. Um, I like him at cash if he if he's at higher ownership or GPP. To be honest, if the ownership makes sense too. But um, what's his ownership looking like right now, Matt? Uh, half the field has going to have him fifty two percent. And also the oh, odds okay. started out. They opened up at minus five ninety two. So he's even more of a favorite now. So that should only go up. Yeah, he's trying pretty hard. So yeah, that's what I. Uh, that's kind of what I figured. So Jack Shore, I mean, he was my number one core pick of the week for that reason. I think, uh, I mean, minus 700. And, and this is one of those things, like I was thinking about this earlier, like when you look at Peter Yan last week, I mean, now he's fighting Jose. Peter Yan's a lot better than Jack Shore, um, I'm assuming. We don't know yet. Jack Shore's pretty new. But um, Peter Yan was, I think, a minus 225 against Aldo or something like that. And he was 9,300. Okay. So if you just look at that, I mean, Aldo is a killer. And that's probably why it was a much closer line opposed to Aaron Phillips. But you had a minus 225 for 9,300. Right here, you have a minus 700 for 9,400. You know what I mean? Like, that's those are the numbers you kind of got to think about. Like, that's that's a big difference. So, I mean, Jack Shore should put him away. I mean, by, by all accounts. Yeah, I didn't so, even get a chance to talk about Phillips's ownership. I think it's pretty much, I think it's the lowest I've ever seen. 3.9%. Uh, yeah, not, well, it's 3.9. 3. So, um, that is crazy. Yeah, so it'd be, I'd be curious to see, like, where the projections come in and even, see if it's even worth leverage i don't even know if it's going to be but you never know it's sports so if for some reason he does come out and win you could be first place i don't know if it's even worth it i'll have to go back to the drawing board and we'll have to check on that by the way i didn't mention this to you kevin gonzalez and berg they have a combined ownership of 27 26 so about 53 percent so we have to wait for the ownership to adjust that's going to be divided amongst the rest of the fighters so all these ownerships mm -hmm. are going to look a little bit bigger in the morning which is when I'll update my Patreon. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there for everybody who is watching. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, that's important. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely gonna Jack Shore is definitely gonna probably like you said increase as well. Probably so 60 to um, I've never heard of any. 
yeah, three percent. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, we have uh, Diana Belbita versus uh, Liana Johua. Um, this fight doesn't boast a huge finish rate. Both girls here uh, are actually pretty good finishers, though. Liana holds, I think, an eighty-five percent finish rate, and Diana's sitting around seventy-seven percent finish rate. So. Both have had multiple losses by way of finish two, which is, I mean, that's intriguing. I mean, that's makes it seem like this fight has a good chance of ending a finish, you know. I don't think it's a bad fight to target in, in larger GBP tourneys. I mean, no one knows these girls. Um, I don't think they're going to be highly targeted. I would be super surprised if ownership was high on them. Um, I'm completely fine with fading this one as well, as it does, like I said, it, it has a, high, uh, a higher chance to go the distance. But I do see a, ch- uh, a venue where they do get... Uh, the finisher one of them does so I mean both girls are 0-1 in the UFC and I think they're going to try to swing to keep their jobs so I think they're going to go for broke a little bit yeah they look more definitely more like GPP options and you can even get away with fading them um, like you said you, the only reason that you play any of these these two fighters is if they do finish uh, 21% for Diana uh, and uh, Liana I guess that's the yep. other that's funny <laughs> Diana, that's funny way. yeah uh, at 10% so they're virtually okay. they're virtually unowned and uh, pretty good for GBP if you're willing to take that shot and if you're in your 150 lineups yeah I, I couldn't agree more so that's kind of where I see that one um, moving on we have kind of the opposite of that we got Jared Gordon versus Chris Fishgold I mean I think this is a great fight to target both sides of I mean I love this fight someone is going to get finished here I really do believe that when these guys win it's usually by way of finish and when these guys lose it's usually by way of finish which is love to see that if you uh, are targeting fights to end within the distance so Gordon seems to be a little bit better all around than Fishgold and he probably has a slight advantage on his feet he has a little bit better stand up but Fishgold is an extremely talented grappler I mean he has some amazing chokes amazing chokes in his arsenal he finishes most of his fights by choke guillotine rear naked and uh, a couple others to boot but um he also only has three losses which is kind of impressive i mean especially where two are to calvin cater who we'll talk about later and then uh mac Juan americani who i just talked about and boast about how good i think he is so i mean take those two lo- three losses with a grain of salt or two of them at least so I think uh, I think you want a piece of each guy here. It's anybody's guess who wins this fight. I think it's close to a pick 'em. I mean, there's there's two obvious paths to victory for both. Um, pretty close price tag, and like I said, it's 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 approaching a near minus two hundred finish chance. So I think that's a really good GPP option. What is uh, the ownership looking like there? Definitely, I can definitely see some leverage here. Thirty three percent on Gordon and on Fishgold, it is twenty four percent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Fishgold, like I said, I think Fishgold, I mean, he's got like 13 submissions or something. Take a chance at Fishgold. I mean, Gordon, I mean, if you want to take him even in ca- uh, um, cash games, sure. I might take, I might, Gordon might make it in my cash games at that ownership, you know? Yeah. So uh, I don't mind that at all. Um, moving on, we have uh, Mostestis uh, Bukaskis for, uh, versus Andreas uh, Mikalidis. Um, Modestus makes his Octagon debut, riding a five fight win streak. All of which, by way of finish to boot, um, out of those five, I'm gonna avoid him for the most part. Honestly, I think he makes a solid GPP play uh, for your upper echelon money, though. I will say that. Um, I do think uh, Andreas should make it into your uh, lineups as as a punt or a salary saver, though, for in, in at least a couple of your lineups because uh, both Modesta's losses um, come by way of finish, and Andreas can. He can friggin' finish, man. He's he stopped 11 of his 12 uh, win- opponents in 11 of his 12 wins, and both men are making their Octagon debut, so it's not like Modestus has any edge or leverage there, you know? It's 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 kind of, I think, a lot closer on paper than the line reflects, and I think this fight does end in a finish. So I think Buka- Bukowskis makes a, a very intriguing 
GPP play, and then if you want to take Andreas as a punt, I think that makes sense too. Yeah. What's uh, Modestus's ownership? So his ownership's at forty percent, and Andreas wow. is at eleven now. The only the noteworthy thing here is I, I once you were you start talking about him i organized all the fighters by salary and it's funny mm-hmm. the way the ownership's kind of working out the top five uh fighters in any exact order of um salary from most expensive to least expensive are going in the exact order of ownership so starting at the top here sure is the most ownership and then going down the line it just decreases from there which yeah. means this that the public is not going to be doing the research on the slate they're going to be picking or at least filling their their fighters with the most expensive fighters because they should win, right? I mean, that's usually the logic behind yeah. DraftKings. So that's just in itself a pretty decent edge if you're not doing any kind of um, research. So like you just got done saying, you didn't expect his ownership to be that high, and it's not as high as the other guys too. So it just leads that's me That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that is higher. I will say that's higher than I thought, but I, I figured he wouldn't be as much as, you know, Cater uh um who else is there at that price around that price uh what's it said um abdul Mm -hmm. so i I mean it's it might be a little bit of leverage there like i said it's it's more intriguing in gpp especially where he's not i mean i don't want to make cash games he's pretty unproven but i mean that still is yeah it's decently high ownership yeah and like i said this is all unofficial tomorrow we have the official ownership so (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah it'll be a little bit uh easier to figure that out but Mm -hmm. yeah it's um so yeah, it's I mean it's intriguing. It's, it's definitely I mean I'll, I'll talk into someone's similar price tag and a couple fights here who I do think is a better option will hold lower lower ownership and uh, is also good for GPP. But um, yeah, I mean he might make it in. Like I said, I do like Andreas as a punt. So uh, moving on to Ricardo Ramos versus uh, Lerone Murphy. I mean this is one where I'm probably going to fade this one. Um, I just think there's a lot of better options on this card, especially for the price of Ricardo Ramos. I mean, where we're talking, what's Ricardo Ramos's ownership actually? His ownership's at 17.8% and then Murphy's at 14.8. So yeah, they're both fadeable. So yeah, I think, I mean, I agree. I think they're both fadeable. Like I said, um, for price point, I mean, Ramos, I think could definitely make it in. If you want to take a reach at someone for that price tag, especially how you said that people are kind of, going off of their ownership is reflecting price um, as the higher price guys are on more because no one, again, no one really knows a lot of these guys. So if you want to take a chance there, but I think this fight has a better chance to go the distance than not. Murphy is a really tough gamer. He's 8-0-1. I just think it's an unpredictable fight with a ton of, uh, without a ton, ton of obvious upside. If you want to take Murphy at 7,400, I think that actually makes more sense to me than Ramos at 8,800. But... Moving on, we have uh, John Phillips versus uh, Kamzat Chaimov. Um, wow, good job with that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. It's, it's these Abu Dhabi fights. Um, compared to Ramos, um, who we just looked at, this is kind of where we have to look at the price tag and what I kind of talked about, about Peter Yan and looking at, like, uh, I mean, it's not all about just price uh, versus Vegas odds, but you, it is something you do need to look at. Vegas doesn't like to lose money, and the odds are set there for a reason. Um and this is one of those examples where we have Chimev versus is, is a hundred dollars more than Ricardo Ramos. Okay, but um, he's coming in as a minus three forty compared to a minus one sixteen Ricardo Ramos. That's a huge difference for a hundred dollar different price tag. Um, this fight also boasts a ridiculous minus four twenty five finish chance compared to again the plus one fifteen of Ramos and Murphy. So, just when you're looking at like fights side by side in comparison, I mean, 
it's pretty obvious when you do that you know what i mean i like this fight a lot more yeah this would explain the ownership for one and then also noteworthy that uh chimov or chimov i think i'm nailing yep. that i don't know uh minus 340 you said he's at right now yep okay he started out at minus 253 so that's literally like almost 100 points worth of movement line movement so that's also very noteworthy which means that will just drive up his ownership even more yeah absolutely i mean right now um i think he's sitting at a cool ownership for that price if you wanted to put him in gpp what's he at right now for ownership 36 percent. so it, like i said it just goes down in order from these the starting salary except, yeah with the only exception being ramos so i definitely like him more than who we just talked about like ramos and um who did we just bring up uh before that was uh modestus bukowskis yeah. like for again he's a hundred dollars more than uh Chimeve and I definitely like Chimeve more. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Chimeve is six and zero. He's got six finishes. Um, obviously, love that. But it's also the way he fights. He kind of reminds me of Khabib. He mauls people. He grapples them. He smashes them. It's just like it's kind of got that aura about him. Now his opponent is John Phillips. John Phillips is someone who has real power. You do got to be careful of him. Hence why I like Chimeve even with ownership a little higher as more of a GPP option because I don't. I'm a little nervous Phillips. I mean, Phillips has 20 knockouts out of his 22 wins. I mean, he, he throws dynamite, so that's pretty impressive. Um, granted, he hasn't really done that as much on the big stage. A lot of these guys will get those knockouts and those big finishes, and that's something you have to pay attention to, like on their uh, the earlier their career. You know what I mean? You might see a guy who has 10 knockouts and five decisions, but his first 10 knockouts or first 10 fights were his knockouts, and his last five decisions were in the UFC. You know what I mean? Right. So it's a little deceptive. So that's kind of a little bit of the story of John Phillips. I mean, he's got a UFC record of one and three. He hasn't crushing it in here, um, and he's very susceptible to getting submitted. Uh, he gets submitted a good amount, so that bodes terribly for him against a savvy grappler like Chimeve. So for the, that reason, I do like Chimeve here, though uh, – Phillips as a punt is not a terrible idea just because of that power. And uh, Jaime hasn't been on the big stage yet, so I, I don't hate it either. So I, I do think this is a good fight to target overall. All right. I can completely get behind that. And uh, Phillips' ownership is at 16.6, so it's still higher than the two girls that we alluded to earlier. So just makes them, I'm just saying, just sneaky, a little bit more sneaky leverage. <laughs> I know. You you love some low percentage leverage. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, moving on to the main card, we have uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Um, versus uh, Munir Lazez. S someone's dying in this fight. Get the stretcher ready. I mean, someone's dying, man. Just get just get it ready. Get them get the EMTs on site. I mean, these guys have a combined knockout percentage of ninety five percent. Not wow. wins or, or submissions or finish of knockout. Ninety five percent of their wins have come by way of knockout. I mean, that's crazy. That would explain the call. It's a comical minus five fifteen finish chance on this one. I mean, wow. the thing I can say about this one is where the separation lies is that Abdul has been doing this in the UFC. He's got four knockouts at Octagon. He only has a split decision loss, um, and, and he's been starching everyone. Lizez is a killer too, though. I mean, he's not nearly as proven. He hasn't fought the competition, but I think he's got eight knockouts out of nine wins or something. I mean, what's the ownership looking like here? So Abdul is at 43%, and Lizez mm -hmm. is at 12%. So literally... If if that really does have that high percent of a finish, then I'm going to switch my low end gym or my low own gym to Lazez. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. just saying, if his ownership is that low and the finish chance is that high, 100%. for either one of these guys, 100%. I mean, I got I had Abdul as my number 
two, or I mean, if it's if you're doing an order, he was the number two most obvious core for me, just because of ownership and and finishability. And then my one of my number one punts is Lizes. Yeah. So you know, it just it makes sense. Do you want a piece of this fight? This there's a lot of fights like this, and you, you see what I'm saying? How it's like it might not be as obvious in cash games, but like you just want a piece of a lot of these fights. There's so many sure. high finish chance fights. So yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where his fantasy point projection comes out by the time of tomorrow's ownerships update. Ownership updates. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, moving on, we got Ty Santos versus Molly McCann. I mean, it's funny. This fight has the second lowest finish chance on the card, yet on a near even line, we have two girls that have a combined around like 75% finish rate. Hmm. So it's kind of weird that it has such a, yeah, such a high prediction to not uh end in a finish but i don't think this is a terrible gpp option i really don't i like mccann a little more she's more proven at this level i mean she has a record of three and one in the ufc i mean that's a career right there santos is zero and one in the ufc granted that was a close split decision loss um I mean, I think you could take a swing here. I like McCann slightly more to win, and she throws good volume. I think she could really hit her value without um, a finish. And this is where it's just not just all about finish all the time. you got to look at people who can hit value without a finish. You know what I mean? Like um, Marab uh, a couple weeks ago, we knew he probably wasn't going to get the finish, but if you get 13 takedowns, I don't want you to get the finish. I want you to keep wrestling. You know what I mean? Get me 175 points off your takedowns. And Molly McCann, I'm not saying she's going to do that, but I think she has good stand-up. And I think she has good volume to hit it if she doesn't uh, get the finish. I do think Santos has slightly more finishability. I mean, she's finished. Uh, I can't remember her exact finishing percentage, but it's it's definitely higher than McCann's. Um, what's my ownership looking like here? Well, you might get excited for this then because based on what you just said, it sounds like Santos just straight up without even looking at ownership is a great uh, GPP option. I mean, it, yeah. it just sounds like it. Uh, we're looking at McCann. Um, and she's at 32% ownership at 8200 bucks. And then we're looking at the cheaper, and this is like the one exception, I guess, just because of the 0-1 record uh, yeah. for UFC. I, I think that's the only reason. 12.8% ownership for Santos. Yeah, I think that's a great – I mean, well, she's a minus 105. Yeah. She's a minus 105. So it's a toss-up. I mean, take, take her, yeah. And I, to be honest, and as much as – I think there's a lot of salary discrepancies in this one. There's a lot of places you want to put your big money, and it's mm -hmm. not so much your little money. So it's like if you want to take McCann here for um, cash games at that ownership, even though she's not a huge favorite, I mean, you can't take all huge favorites all day. You know what I mean? you got to make some sacrifices. So at 8200 McCann might make it into your, uh, your court too. Here's my prediction, though. Uh, once ownerships do update tomorrow and once they do shift around a little bit, I think that – a lot of these these uh, guys that are already higher owned are going to increase in ownership. I think that these two are going to – I think just the combined total ownership of these two are going to fly under the radar just a tad. I mean because not only are they girls, but um, the 82 and $8,000 price tag like you just alluded to is like a, an odd, like an awkward position to be putting your money. I don't think anybody's going to look directly at this fight and be like, I need somebody from this fight. I just don't think that the ownership is going to build well come morning time. But everything that you just mm -hmm. said is – it completely makes sense. Yeah, that would be something to definitely look at. I mean, like I said, I had this as a GPP option. Um, if McCann can hold that and or even increase, if she gets to 35% ownership, I mean, I'm probably going to want her in my core yeah. just because there's so many tough places to put your money in this one. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, uh, Taya Santos definitely makes it seems like an intriguing GPP option uh, regardless. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, we have Jimmy Rivera versus Cody Stamen. Um, weirdly excited for this fight. 
But when I get excited for fights, sometimes it doesn't mean it's good for everyone else. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I like boring fights with good grappling technique. I mean, I was a wrestler. I like I like that stuff. And most people don't. I mean, it's it's a chess match, and, and a lot of people want to see the action. And I don't think this fight is going to be all action. Jimmy Rivera is a terrible scorer in DraftKings. I mean, he just he's if he gets a takedown, he's he's a quintessential boring wrestler. He's not gonna he's not gonna be. He's not gonna try to ground and pound you. He's gonna try to He's going to sit on top of you. He's going to ride you out um, and sneak a decision. And on his feet, he's not throwing crazy volume either. I mean, I was just looking through his his stat line the other day of all of his fights and the volume he's throwing, the significant strikes he's throwing versus the ones he's landing. And it's just there's not a lot of fights where I'm like, oh, dang, I wish I had Jimmy Rivera. You know what I mean? Right. And, and he's the projected winner against Cody Stamen, who is tough to finish. So I don't think Rivera's going to finish him. And, and Cody Stamen in his own right terrible finisher i like cody um seems like a great guy but he's a terrible finisher as well i mean i just i like this fight a lot to watch for my my reasons but i don't think most people will i think this is a very fadable fight um i think it's close on paper so if you and stamen's kind of been hot so if you want to take stamen i mean he's going to stick out because he get the uh what is it the Sudolov stretch from aljermaine sterling the, the first one in ufc history mm-hmm. <laughs> so i mean that's he's kind of got uh, posterized with that that's like getting dunked on uh in the mma world but it's uh it, I, th- I think he's a good fighter so i mean i think he does have a chance jimmy rivera is beatable um so if you want to like reach at him at 7800 if you're looking for some salary help but I mean, this this fight has a plus two forty finish chance, so don't expect much. Well, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I have not personally messed with any builds yet, and I was waiting for the fight where the cheaper option was higher owned than the more expensive option, and here it is. So Stamen is coming in at twenty seven percent, and Rivera is coming in at seventeen percent. So I know twenty seven isn't crazy high, but it looks like when people are looking for a cheaper option, this is yep. where they're looking for. This exactly and, and yep. <laughs> the main the main event also uh, the stack. So um, that's very noteworthy. So that explains why McCann and uh, Santos's ownership are so low because they're looking at this fight rather. That's exactly, and that's why I said. I mean, that's why I closed this out with saying if you want to reach a Cody for that price, be my guest because I mean. I just I have no interest in Rivera, and I think it's a close fight on paper. I mean, and mm-hmm. you're going to need some salary help, especially when you're looking at like, like I said, if you want to take Jack Shore, you're going to be, you're going to be hurting in your pockets right away. So, um, yeah. moving on, we got the co-main. We got Tim Elliott versus Ryan Benoit. I mean, Tim Elliott. I mean, it's just friggin' Tim Elliott. He's killing me. Uh, I love him. He's fun to watch. I've always liked him. I've always been a fan of Tim Elliott. But I mean, he's it's tough to be a fan of Tim Elliott. Um, he's very unpredictable. Last time, I remember we talked about it, and I think I was – I wanted to fade him, but I liked him. But you were like, if you like him, don't fade him. And I took him, and I was so – it's just – it's Tim Elliott, man. He'll mm-hmm. he'll win the – he'll be winning the fight, and he'll take him down, and you're like, wow, this guy's crushing his price point even without a finish. And then he'll be like – he'll go for a takedown one too many that he's a little too tired for, and you're like, well, chill. And then he'll get caught in a guillotine and submit it or something. You're like, thanks. Thanks, Tim Elliott. Uh, <laughs> So it's just, it's so frustrating. And that's exactly what happened last week. I talked about that and told, I mean, against Brandon Roy Val, I was like, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope he stays on his feet or takes him down and cuts him. And what did he do? Last got tired, took him down, got reversed and then submitted. So it was like, it was just like watching what I knew was going to happen, happen. And it was just, it was still tough. <laughs> um, I really do think that he has a stake here though, as, as much as I, I do hate to love him. Uh, Benoit is his, his opponent. Ryan Benoit has been pretty unproven as well. Um, He's lost to some pretty no-name guys. He isn't amazing. Um, he does have a TKO win over Sergio Pettis, which is impressive at, at, by any standards. Um, 
But these guys are both just not trustworthy, both of them. I mean, I think their winning percentages are like 62% for Benoit and 57% for Elliott. Elliott facing a little bit harder competition. But, I mean, that's not great. They're, these guys aren't – I think one's 10 and 6, and then Elliott's like 15 and 11. They, these guys aren't vying for any world championships anytime soon. So I think there's GPP upside here, and I do like Elliott a little bit more just because I think he can take him down. Benoit's defense for uh, his wrestling and takedown defense isn't great. I think Elliott can take him down and – Maybe without getting submitted, Benoit isn't a crazy uh, fin, um, grappler, so he, that means Elliot can hit his price point without even getting a finish. But I would just steer clear in cash games, as I, we've gotten burned too many times by both of these guys in cash games. Yeah, the public seems to agree here. The ownership is just screaming GPP for both of these guys. Uh, split literally down the middle here, twenty and twenty-one percent for both of them. Yep, that makes sense. So, not too much to talk more about that one. Moving on to the uh, main event. I mean. Love some Calvin Cater. Um, as I mentioned before, I used to train at the same gym as him. Um, the Lozans, he's a beast. He's, he's fun to watch. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised, to be honest, though. This line is so far apart, and I'll say that. I watched a video the other day. Danny Ige was talking. He, was, he feels like he's still being disrespected in the terms, like in, in the sense that he's he slept on. And I think the odds makers also don't seem to give him enough respect either because – I mean, just looking at this line, it's a minus 315 for Cater and a plus 245 for Ige. And I'm going to have Cater all day. I mean, I think he's more proven than Ige. I think he's probably going to carry the highest ownership. Um, it's a five-rounder. He's the number six featherweight in the world. And after that brutal finish of Jeremy Stevens, I mean, how can you not like Cater for all those reasons? But I do like Ige. I think Dan Ige is a good fighter. I think he slept on. I'm right there next to him saying, yeah, I don't get it, man. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think you're a good fighter, and uh, I, don't, I don't know why he's so slept on. We, he has a huge chip on his shoulder. He has a lot to prove. I mean, he, he had an awesome fight with, I think it was Massard Bektich, um, won a split decision, had another awesome fight with uh, Edson Barboza where he got dropped, came back, and won a split decision. Controversial, but, I mean, he got dropped and came back with a lion's heart, man, and, and, and came back at a split decision, and everyone's just still like, eh. <laughs> about Danny Gay. I don't know what else he needs to do. So, I mean, they both have strong wrestling backgrounds. Um, and I think uh, this fight will stay standing because of that, where I do like Cater. I think he's a slightly better striker. But in a five-rounder, um, I do think you want a piece of both. This is one where I think you could stack. Ige's tough. Ige's never been finished. So, and after eating a shot from Edson Barboza like he did, who's one of the best strikers in the world, and coming back and not getting finished, and still having some of the tank to actually steal a win, I mean, I think... It's not a terrible stack here. Um, I'm assuming Cater is trying to be the highest owner on the card. Is that accurate? Uh, he's the third highest, and the third. only reason. Yeah, I'll get to it in just a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, well, that's about mostly all I had to say okay. for the main event there. But yeah. So here it is. So here's my my breakdown after I've I've heard everything and seen everything. And also, by the way, Ige is forty percent. So Qatar is forty one, and Ige is forty percent. Yeah. And the reason for that. And the number one reason is because Ige is seventy one hundred bucks. You throw a main event cheap guy in there like that with a fighter's chance to win or even go the distance, and he's going to be so high owned. I mean, we saw it in the last, we saw it three days ago, right? Um, I as boring as it sounds, we're going to stack the main event for cash, right? And you're going to be stacking a whole bunch of these heavy favorites, hoping that no no upsets happen, and then you're going to probably have to take a one-off somewhere, a, a slight a slight favorite or a slight underdog. Um, but I think that's going to be the general build for cash games. I don't see how you can fade this after hearing what you just said, and with Ige actually having a shot at winning this thing. And the Vegas odds aren't really that far apart. If we're looking at a percent chance to win, Ige sitting at 30%, and Qatar sitting at 70 So, literally, that's not that, I mean, that's really not that bad. 
30% chance for a 7,100 person uh, price tag. I mean, that really does scream. It just screams so much ownership to me. I don't see uh, a, a scenario in cash games where you fade both of these guys uh, or one or the other. I think you have to play both of them and you have to stack it. I don't know if you can agree with me on that, Kevin, but it looks like, I, like, like I said, I haven't, I haven't built any of these lineups yet, so I don't really know what my salary is going to end up with. But it looks like my starting two guys that I have to get a piece of are going to be here for the main event, as boring as that sounds. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think I think the optimal lineup will have one of these guys. I mean, I don't think you like you said. I think for it's sure. unfadeable. I think you got to take uh, at least Cater, um, just because he's so proven, um, and it's a five round. You're taking the most proven guy in a five rounder, and the only five rounder on the card. I mean, if you don't have a piece of that, if you don't have the winner of this fight, you're already just at a disadvantage. Yeah, absolutely. And it usually is like that. Um, we've seen a couple of exceptions with uh, so many knockouts um, earlier on on this season. But yeah, I think that's if you're if you're looking for a strategy, guys, I think that's your cash game strategy for GBPs is the same thing. You're going to have to take one of every single fight unless it's the last event that we got them breaking down two days ago where five out of six got it done i can almost guarantee you six uh out of six winners is going to get it done for a gbb takedown and this slate i don't know if you're going to agree with me on that kevin but i think because there were three uh main fights here that were uh, round five um fights that was the reason for it three days ago we don't see that similar kind of situation here there's only one no not at all yeah there's so, only one exactly yeah so i and, think and just Good. I was just gonna say, in the competition, yeah, and, and the way the competition goes, I mean, I think this could be a, a very closer fight on paper. I mean, and it just makes sense. Where, like I said, they're both good wrestlers. You want that. You want them to stand and bang. You don't want them to wrestle. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we're gonna go ahead and um, <clears throat> come down to our final remarks here. So we're gonna go over our core game plays, our GBP, and our pump plays, just like normal, right? Yep, absolutely. So our core plays, I mean, Jack Shore being a minus 700 is absurd. I mean, like I said, he has given us no reason to doubt him yet. And he, uh, his opponent isn't a world beater by any means. And Aaron Phillips, I mean, 3% would reflect that as yeah. we're looking at right now. Um, so I think you definitely got to take Jack Shore. Um, Calvin Cater, for the reasons we just talked about, don't need to talk too much about them. Just uh, It's just obvious, going to carry high ownership. It's proven, five-rounder. Um, and then... Al Hassan, as we just talked about, carries heavy ownership um, on real power and finish chance. I mean, that's the, that's the the favorite in a minus five fifteen finish chance fight, you know, um, and a heavy favorite at minus three forty. So, I think you got to take him too, and he's carrying high ownership to reflect that. Yeah. So, with those three guys being tagged, you're literally forced to take uh, Ige with him being so cheap. So, I think we 100%. just gave we just gave you four core plays for cash games. Yeah, I mean that's going to be. I don't know if you can get all four in, even with even with Ige, just because yeah. the, the first three are pretty expensive. I mean that's why, like I was looking at uh, as we talked about, maybe Molly McCann or something. You know what I mean? It's right. there's, there's going to be. I, I did say in cash games there is going to be some salary issues, um, hence why I liked GPP more in this one, which I never usually do. Um, and I'll get into my GPP plays because of that. I mean I got a lot of options here. We got uh, a couple fights to target. We got Gordon Fishgold. Um, Gordon Fishgold has a very high finish chance. You can save a little salary compared to other core plays. I mean, they're 8,300, 7,900. Um, ownership reflects that there's a little bit of room there. I mean, it's it's a, probably going to be the higher own ones um, in terms of your GPP plays, but there's some room there. Um, we have uh, Modestus uh, Bukowskis, as we talked about, a little lesser known guy. I mean, his, his ownership's trending a little higher, but um, if it stays low, I mean, I think he has a real shot as a fi of a finish. Um, I don't have all the faith in the world in his winning ability, but his finish ability, I do. So I think he can get it done. Um, 
the fight of Santos and McCann, um, as we just talked about, decent finish chance. Like you said, Santos is very low ownership. Um, so maybe she's the one to uh, target a little more, and she's actually cheaper, so you can still save some salary. Uh, Bergen Gonzalez, we didn't get to talk to because, uh, unfortunately, that fight is not happening, but that was a really good one to target. Um <laughs> Tim Elliott, he can get a lot of points uh, with his takedowns and still has some finish ability. Like I said, I, I I will take him now in probably GPP. I will never touch him again in cash. It's too <laughs> too too volatile. Yeah. Um, and then Cam's uh, at Chimev um, carries a little less ownership than some of the other guys around his price tag. He's also a little less proven making his uh, UFC debut. Why I may want him in GPP more than. Uh, um, cash games as, as his opponent is fairly dangerous too like I said his opponent's 20 knockouts it's scary but he absolutely can get the job done he has good finishability himself and uh, this is your classic kind of slightly higher risk but high reward GPP play and then um, lastly we have our punts um, Dan Ige we just talked about he's a real gamer in a five round fight he's cheap as dirt too 7100 I mean this is like Holloway I mean you're not Holloway was the number one pick I think last week in terms of like ownership I mean I think he was a, I think he carried the highest ownership out of anybody on the card just because being that good and that cheap it's like how could you and I think Dan Ige is going to probably be similar um and then we have uh Andreas uh Michalidis. I mean he has real finishing ability and like I said Modestus can be finished I, that's why Modestus is in GPP and not cash, even at that ownership, because I think he's uh, a little volatile himself, and Andreas has power. Um, and then uh, Monir Lazaz, like I said, he's part of that minus 515 uh, finish chance fight, and uh, he has real power too. I do like Abdul more. He's more proven at a higher level, but Lazaz has whatever I s said. I think it was eight out of uh, nine fights he's finished with his hands. So, I mean, he has power too. Don't sleep on that guy. So that's about how we're looking. All right. So... I think we are are uh, now breaking our own record with the length of this video, so I'll go ahead and end it here. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, again, $20 for Patreon. You guys are going to have to take some chances. Every single MMA fight has a crazy upset of, of some sort or something crazy that happens. Um, be sure to stake your claim in something that makes sense, and we'll be covering all of our favorite leverage spots with Kevin's notes and all of his content that he'll be posting to our Patreon page. And he'll also be in there coaching up until lock tomorrow. So I do believe this starts at 7 o'clock. So I think this will go the distance into the, the night. So if you guys have nothing else to do, come hang out with us in the Discord. It's always a blast. And with all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your day, and let's cash.